What is it? It's your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 379, Guardians of Peace and Justice. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, and with me, the Yoda to my Qui-Gon Jinn, we've got Carl LeClaire. Mm, the teacher becomes the master. Wait, that made Indeed. no sense. <laughs> I meant to say that the teacher becomes the student. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, as all great teachers inevitably become. So, but yes, we're uh, back, Carl. We are back and we are looking at nothing but Jedi in this episode, which I'm pretty stoked about. Me too. Any to talk about Jedi is uh, exciting for, for me. Yes, me as well. And you know, I, for me, what kind of prompted an episode like this is I think we've the some of the recent Clone Wars episodes have, have raised some really important questions about the importance of the Jedi. Right. Um, are they needed? I mean, this was a question that was also raised by Luke in Last Jedi. Right. The new the new era of Star Wars is really, really hitting us with questions like that. You know, what are what are the values of the Jedi? Why are they important? Um, and I think you and I would both agree that they're wildly important to the story of Star Wars, um, that the Jedi are in fact needed in the galaxy. So we're just going to kind of look at uh, kind of those questions of, you know, why are the Jedi needed? Why, you know, the, they're obviously faults of the Jedi. We can look at a few of those. But overall, the purpose of these guardians of peace and justice is to do great work in the galaxy. And that's kind of what we want to to dive into in, in this episode is looking at their, their importance um, in the story of star Wars in general and kind of the, the three subsequent trilogies uh, in particular. So, um, but before we do that, we, uh, we had a poll last week where we asked all of you kind of in light of us talking about our favorite musical themes from the sequel trilogy. We asked all of you what your favorite piece of music was from the sequel trilogy. And as usual, we got um, a, a bit of diverse responses here, but um, I feel like a consistent winner. <laughs> um, but what did the Larians have to say about this one, Jason? Uh, well, with as with every Star Wars fan, there is a different favorite piece of music. Um, <laughs> well, maybe not quite, but <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, we got quite a bit of responses in sixth place with one vote each. We've got 
Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which I thought would be higher, to be perfectly honest. Hmm. Uh, we've got Peace and Purpose, the finale from uh, the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack, Java Flow, Farewell, Scherzo for X-Wings, and The Scavenger. Uh, in fifth place with two votes, we've got Kylo Ren arrives at the battle slash Kylo Ren's theme. Um, so uh, there's that. Then we've got uh, in fourth place with four votes, The Spark. Uh, that's not a surprise. In third place with five votes, I was very, very happy about this. We've got March of the Resistance. Uh, in second place with seven votes, we've got the Jedi Steps. And in first place with 11 votes, to no one's surprise, we've got Ray's theme. I'm not surprised in the least. It's, no. It's, no it, it, it's, a, it's such a good piece, and it was very high on both of our lists. You know, Not quite my favorite, but it was... Right, I'm trying to. It landed at three for you. Is that right? I believe it was two. I'll double oh, check right. my yeah. notes. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> it's your notes. Dude, these things change. <laughs> um, yeah, I, such a good theme. Um, so thank you everybody for for sending in your your responses to this one. Um, as you could probably tell from last week's episode. Jason and I really love talking Star Wars music. And as we hinted at um, and made quite explicit in the episode last week is uh, the month of May is going to be nothing but Star Wars music. So it's it's musical May, as we're going to call it here in in the lair. Uh, and we've got I, what, what sorry, was that? I will say we did have uh, somebody vote for uh, the the music that was used in the final um, officially released uh, trailer for the rise of Skywalker, but as that is not a theme from the movie, I did not count it in the uh, poll. So, but that was something that was mentioned. So, oh right, yeah. Trailer. Music, I just want to. Trailer sorry. music is always very epically emotional these days. <laughs> so it is. Um, it is. Yeah, and whenever people are like, "Oh, I hope that's in the movie," it's like, "Nope, that's not how trailers work." <laughs> so, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, like I was saying, though, uh, the month of May is going to be all Star Wars music. Each week, we're going to talk about different types of Star Wars music. We have this kind of broken down into different categories of, of types of Star Wars music we're going to talk each week starting in the month of May. Um, and like I've also said, we are going to be um, starting a musical theme bracket uh, where we're going to invite all of you to vote on your favorite Star Wars musical themes each day in the weeks of May um, until we get to the end of the month and announce uh, the, the uh, winner of the favorite musical star Wars theme, which I'm super excited to see how that shakes out. Yes. Yeah. I know the brackets coming together pretty good. We're still figuring out a few of the details, but we got some time and it's looking very good. I'm very excited about this one. Um, And about the month of May in general, the music may, that we've got. I'm so excited about the different topics that we're going to cover each week, the different, uh, you know, parts of the Star Wars music and stuff like that. So it, there's so, so much that, we, that we're working on and it's exciting. Um, it makes putting off discussing 
the most recent Clone Wars episodes a bit bearable, but <laughs> because I love talking Star Wars music, but I'm also very excited about what we're getting on Clone Wars right now. So, but we're gonna we'll hit all that up as soon as we're done with Music May, because um, I mean we got to do that. Music right. May is gonna be so much fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, boy, yeah. So, um. Was I gonna say? Um, yeah. So obviously, hopefully, folks will be be excited as we are for for doing nothing but music for a whole month. Um, and uh, you know, and, and obviously for the this is madness tournament back, that we did back through the month of month of March, um, we were only able to engage folks on on Twitter. But we're gonna change things up. We're gonna go back to the old Google Doc form. Um, for this musical matchup so that folks on, on both Twitter and Facebook will be able to participate. Um, cause again, the more the merrier and who doesn't love loving on star Wars music. I mean, come on, it's so good. <laughs> um, very good. So, yeah, so that's all coming up in, in the couple of weeks ahead. Um, but also Jason next week, we're doing something a little bit different here in, in the lair. Yes. Um, so far is, is what our topic's going to be. Um, do you want to remind folks what we're doing next month or next month? Excuse me, next week. <laughs> Absolutely. So next week we are going to do sort of a, a get to know you episode where you guys are all going to be able to submit questions and things like that um, where you can ask us just about anything um, that, you know, about us. If you want to, we've been doing this podcast for so long. Um, some of you may know us very well but others of you are, are still fairly new so we want to allow you guys to get to know us because we're your friends um <laughs> at least we like to think that um but you will be able to ask us anything you want it can be star wars related or not uh if it gets to be a little too personal or things like that we may not answer it but you know we're going to try and answer everything that we get um and if we end up with more questions than we can answer in a single episode we'll save them for later points as well uh but that's what we're doing next week we're very excited about this uh, i know we've got a couple of emails already with some questions so um thank you because we we mentioned it in our episode last week so thank you for our already people who've already sent that out uh we'll be posting about it on our social media next week in lieu of doing a matchup or poll um, so if you don't uh, want to just – if it's a quick question and you don't want to email it to us, just wait and keep an eye on our Facebook or Twitter and you'll be able to uh, send them in that way as well. But we'll remind you at the end of the episode about all that. Uh, that's all I've got on the subject though, Carl. Unless you want to add anything else, we can get to talking about the Jedi. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Um, I, so like Jason said, send in any questions you have about uh, about either of us and or and about our Star Wars fandom in general, whatever you want. Um, and we'll we'll tackle some of those questions next week. Um, again, this is kind of inspired. I watch a lot of you. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the same folks YouTube channels for a while now, and a lot of them will do Q and A. Uh, shows and I find them really fascinating because you get to learn a little bit about the creator of something that you really like. So, you know, we've been doing this a long time and I know folks that have been listening for a long time probably do know a decent amount about us because, you know, we never sh shy from sharing things um, as we break down Star Wars. But, you know, if there's anything specific you've just been wondering about, um, you know, please ask us um, and we'll be happy to answer that. 
And something I was trying to do earlier, but my Spotify wasn't agreeing with me. Um, but now that it is, uh, I just, you know, being that it's, again, we're just a few short weeks away from May and musical May, this is, this will be a nice reminder of what's coming. It's gonna be May. <laughs> all, all this work just to get that one little thing, but my God, do I love NSYNC. Um, so yeah, next month is going to be May. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so the Jedi. Ladies and gentlemen, I just have to pause for a moment. That is the most on-brand Carl thing ever, and it makes me so happy. Thank you so much, Carl. Well, I, I, I don't it care like, if anybody else doesn't like it. I, was, I love it. I was trying to queue it up so it would perfectly mesh earlier, and stupid Spotify was – I had to restart it, so I don't know why. But anyway, yeah, um, excited for, for Musical May. Um <laughs> be May. Um, oh, I love on. you, Carl. I'm, I'm back <laughs> at you, buddy. Uh, so, um, anyway, um, the Jedi, right? The Jedi yeah. are a central tenet of the Star Wars universe. Um, kind of a big deal. Have been since the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. The whole point of the Jedi, right, with uh, when George Lucas first created Star Wars was he wanted to create this very much um, mystical, spiritual side to his story, um, right? As, as several folks would know, if you've, you know, if you've if you've watched um, any sort of behind the scenes stuff from from Star Wars, you'll know that George Lucas um, was very much wanting to tell a story for an, an age that was. Uh, lacking for fairy tales and myths and spirituality, you know? Um, and I think that's very much what the, the Jedi are. They're kind of like the Knights of the Round Table meets monks, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, so so just strictly from a that simple, like, kind of behind-the-scenes way, George Lucas wanted to create this particular particular type of character that very much in, encapsulates a, a more spiritual side of, of this story. Well, exactly. And I think your, uh, your comparison to like Knights of the Round Table or you know, monks is a very, very good one because not only are they supposed to be the spiritual you know, kind of core to the story that he created – but they're also a warriors in a sense. And so um, and you know knights and monks, generally speaking, um, are defenders of of you know ideals and uh, people and things like that or or they go off to you know slay the dragons that's terrorizing a village or things like that. you know and it's a very uh, good comparison because that's largely what he based it off of that and samurai and things of that nature and um, being able to work them into this space opera in such a seamless way, in my opinion, um, and in such a core integral way that, you know, not only highlights the martial, you know, abilities that they have, um, that are definitely on, on view, uh, before the star Wars part of star Wars. Uh, but it also provides a great vessel for the, the spiritual identity of the story that George wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, I really, to me, the, the first thing I just want to 
kind of sink my teeth into is, and I, and I know I've made the, I've quoted this countless times on the show in the past, but um, from the episode, the gathering, and uh, I believe that's season four of the clone wars. Um, when Ahsoka brings these younglings to Ilum to get their Kyber crystals, to make their lightsaber, right? They, they are met by Yoda when they first arrive in the Ilum temple and and Yoda says this wonderful quote. He says, "The Force made visible a Jedi is," and I think right there that that alone is to me a sufficient definition of what the Jedi are. They exist to make the will of the Force known and realized. That's the purpose of the Jedi, right? Um, it their their heart and their soul is simply to be interpreters and. Um, incarnational representations of the force. Now, I'm not saying that the, the Jedi are the force, but they are making the force known, um, right? That's that's kind of their job, you know, in a, in, in a very real world comparison, um, they're religious leaders in that way, right? The, the goal, the, the purpose of, of a priest or a pastor or anyone in that regard, their kind of primary purpose is to make God known. Um, the Jedi... Their sole purpose is to make the force known um, and to make the will of the force uh, come about. That's the yeah, point of the Jedi. Are, they are to be the the face of of the force to the people around them. You know, the the ability to uh, illustrate and operate according to the will of the force um, is is just not something that's understood by most of the galaxy because they don't have the Metachlorians to be in touch with it or whatever. But the Jedi, their their core purpose is to serve that will that force and to be that that the hands and feet, so to speak, of that, walking it out and, you know, being a good example of it and things like that. Which, you know, can be argued that they sort of fell away from that because they became so distant during the time of the prequels. But we're not here to talk about the flaws of the the Jedi Order so much uh, that that they exhibited in their fall, because we're here to really talk about kind of their purpose and what their designs are. Is primarily speaking, we can talk a little bit about it, but you know we've we've talked to death in other episodes about you know where they fell short. Um, and and that's definitely been a topic addressed in other places. So, um, but we're really here to talk about the purpose of them and and what they're supposed to be for. Right. You know. And and again, like I kind of said at the top of the the episode, um, what kind of in in inspired the idea of even doing a show like this is, you know, uh, kind of the great questions that were really raised by that the most recent arc of the Clone Wars, right, with uh, the the two sisters, I can't remember the family name. Um, do you remember it by any chance? Oh, no, I don't. Um, Sorry, we can't hear you screaming at us, but I know folks out there are yelling it to us. I want to say the I'll Martells, look. but I know that's not right. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. from a different thing. Um, but while you're looking that up, um, right, they, you know, they, they share this, this very tragic story about how their parents were killed um, by kind of Jedi uh foolhardiness you know almost uh grace and mafa martez martez i was so close i knew it was mar something um martels <laughs> are from game of thrones whoops close enough <laughs> um but the martezes <laughs> right are like these two sisters are 
in a way orphaned because of the actions of the Jedi. And, and, and I do want to get into the actions of the Jedi in the prequel era a little bit later, because it is important to, to, to point out how they were manipulated. Um, yes. But um, that being said, right. I, I think a lot of folks see like, Oh, the Jedi are, they're not necessary. I mean, even Luke raises that question in the last Jedi. It's time for the Jedi to end. Um, and, and I, I don't mean to be, to be rude here. I know there's, there are Star Wars fans out there that would be just as fine and dandy without Jedi stories moving forward, but I am not one of them. I feel like the Star Wars without the Jedi makes no sense to me. Um, and I am severely less interested in Star Wars without the Jedi and the force. That's my personal bias. I know I'm not, I can't speak for every fan and I don't even presume to. Um, but, you know, because I mean, there's people out there that are just like, I want more clone stories or I want more like scoundrel stories. I don't <laughs> like that's not what I come to Star <laughs> Wars for. But that's again, that's me. That's my opinion. Um, that being said, um, I find in a lot of ways people's disdain for the Jedi is because we focus too much on the prequel era's failings. Um, and I also think that there is an element of, again, in a real world way, a strong disdain in our culture for organized religion, which is what the Jedi of the prequels kind of come to symbolize. Um, mm-hmm. But um, again, and, and, and not to get too much into this point, but I, I will always argue for the goodness of organized religion. And I know there's a lot of people that don't see it, but that's also a lot of people that choose not to see the good. They only choose to see what's bad and and fail to see why what's bad is bad. <laughs> um so that being said, like I I want to I want to kind of own that right here, kind of even towards the beginning of this discussion, because that will influence how I understand the value of the Jedi. I see it again in a very analogous way to the goodness of organized religion. Um, I don't think organized religion is is flawlessly perfect. Of course not. Um, but you know, in the same way that the Jedi are not flawless and perfect. But again, like we were just talking about, right? Their their primary purpose is such a good and necessary thing. Um. And it's the intricacies of it that where where things start to come apart. Um, so that being said, I kind of want to just look at how the Jedi are uh, realized in this Star Wars saga story, right? Um, and and specifically looking at it in release order. So you know, talking about why George Lucas in nineteen like the nineteen seventies when he was writing the story chose to create something like the Jedi, um, which I believe their original name was Jedi Bendu, right? Um, that was the full name in, in the, the early drafts of the Star Wars, as they were known as the Jedi Bendu, um, the ones in the middle. <laughs> yes. Um, I was trying to... Captain Jedi's Jedi Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What's the Bendu, Jason? I'm Bendu, the one in the middle. Thank you. God, how much more fishing did I have to do? <laughs> um... But right, yeah. So right, the, these these Jedi Bendu, uh, something created early on by by George Lucas, was to be these these spiritual monk warriors. Um, and when we get this uh, original story, my my take on it is is this is a galaxy that's mourning the loss of the Jedi, right? Um, so the original Star Wars story. Um, Again, when I say original Star Wars story, I'm talking about where everything began. You know, I'm not talking episode one because that's not how the story was told. 
That's why, I've, again, now I'm going to get off on a tangent for a second, but this is why I always suggest to people who are new to Star Wars, watch them in release order. Never watch them one through nine. Um, I'll stand by that forever, too. I think it's much better to watch them in release order. Um, that being said, so when you go to it in release order, looking at what, it, what was the purpose of the Jedi, when we get to episode four, we are very much a galaxy that's mourning the loss of something. And you get that in these, you know, those that wonderful little scene between Luke and Obi-Wan in Obi-Wan's hut where Obi-Wan is telling him how the Jedi were the guardians of peace. And there's there's this like sense of loss as Obi-Wan's telling the story. And as he's expressing that loss, you also see a young person mesmerized by the story. Right. Um, someone who. Is taken by this story of these these great warriors um and you know the jedi the story of the jedi kind of provide this sense of hope for a galaxy that's lost in the dark right the dark times are what's at what have been at reign for the past two decades and the jedi were the ones keeping that darkness at bay they were the ones keeping the light shining in the galaxy that's what's missing um and even in Rogue One, in that beautiful opening act, you know, with with Lyra kind of giving that kyber necklace to Jin and telling her to trust in the force. You know, you, you get the sense that there's the galaxy is missing the workings of the force. And it's not that the force isn't working, but the the, the primary group of people that helped to helped you to realize that force are gone. Right. They're mourning that loss. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, too, Jason, just a quick side note. Um, there was a recent um, I don't know if it was an interview or what, but with a couple of the the creators for Rogue One. And they talked about how in a very early draft, uh, it was revealed that Lyra was a Jedi in hiding. Um, and I love that. I love that story. I and mean, she even looks like she's got Jedi clothes on when she comes out. Um, so again, I, I don't believe that it, that's technically canon, but in the early drafts, Lyra was a Jedi in hiding. Um, well, I guess, yeah, in Catal in Catalyst, it's not in any way hinted that she is. Um, no, no, but, uh, but that's an interesting story idea right? and, and something that could have easily fit, uh, with, with the way they portrayed her and, and stuff. So, um, I, on the one hand, I kind of wish they went that path, but on the other hand, I'm okay that they didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so so that 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 kind of like that galaxy during the dark times is a galaxy very much mourning that loss. They they need the Jedi. They need these guardians of peace and justice because the world, the galaxy is so unjust, and there is no peace. Right. In right. the place of peace, you have tyranny and in the place of just, well, I guess in place of justice, you have tyranny and in the place of peace, you have uh, conflict, conflict. Yeah. Right. Uh, violence, terror, um, soon or <laughs> right. control, right. In the place of peace, you have control. There's a difference. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Krennic doesn't get it. You know, we were this close to providing peace and stability to the galaxy. You're missing, you know, you're, you're confusing peace with terror, right? Um, yeah. There's a difference between, uh, you know, having a galaxy or, or a society at peace and enforcing everybody to not resist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. a big difference there, Krennic. <laughs> 
for sure. Um, yeah, you know, um, so you get go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, so, you know, in that, that, or that original era, you do, you have this, this galaxy who's in need of the Jedi, um, right. That's part of, that's the, this, this is the story of Luke Skywalker and what's Luke Skywalker's story, the story of becoming a Jedi. Why is that so darn important? Right. (laughs) You know, there's a reason for that. Luke is the central character. Everyone, everyone's playing a part in this story and they, and they all matter for sure. But the, the character that seems to be the fulcrum of, of how everything's going to go is Luke Skywalker. And he's so important because he is the future of the Jedi and, it, and it's a galaxy that's starving for that. It needs that back. Um, and uh, the Jedi that are, you know, what we are learning about the Jedi evolves through that original story, right? You know, um, Obi-Wan clues Luke in that they were guardians of peace and justice, but they were also warriors, right? They have these things called lightsabers. Um, they fought in the clone wars. Um, so, you know, I, but I love how that story is then that, that myth of who the Jedi are is shattered on Dagobah, right? Luke shows up looking for a great warrior. Mm, Wars (laughs) not make one great. Right, right. And he finds a little green frog who's picking through his food uh, and throwing all of his supplies into the mud. Yeah, that's that's a great warrior for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he 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 jumps to the adventure of the, the great warrior, the the Jedi warriors and the 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 skills that they have at their disposal. But what he finds is that it's a lot more than that. It's about mastering uh, yourself in order to be a vessel for the force. And the the scholarly part of what a Jedi is sort of gets introduced on Dagobah. Obviously, you know, because of the circumstances, we can't explore that as in depth as it might have been, you know, but because he's got a purpose and a, a, a goal that they've got to reach. Uh, but he he's opened up to the greater idea of the force and what and how that interacts with the Jedi and how the Jedi serve that. Um, yeah. And something that he wasn't really thinking about beforehand. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's for darn sure. Um, but yeah, but you know what, what Yoda ultimately teaches Luke is that the, the Jedi, you know, they use the force for knowledge and defense. They, they are vessels of the force. They are vessels of nonviolence in so much as they can be. Um, and right. Like the whole, the whole point of Yoda in empire strikes back is that this is a Yoda that has been humbled. Um, he understands again, that the Jedi need to be something different. Um, and he's going back to their roots, right? That they are the force made visible. That's what's important. And that's what Yoda's teaching Luke. That's what Yoda's teaching us, right? As an audience is that this thing called the force, these, these, this group known as the Jedi, um, what they ultimately need to represent in the galaxy is something more than just the violence that surrounds the galaxy. Um, you know, they're not the Sith. They're not the ones who, who are going to be aggressors and fight wars. Um, there's something distinctly different. And, you know, as that story comes to an end and, and 
that you know climactic event when Luke throws away the lightsaber um, in the face of Darth Sidious. You know that's where we see the fullness of what a Jedi is meant to be, what they're supposed to be, which is selfless and nonviolent. Uh, and, and and I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say something that's kind of an, an oxymoron, but they're nonviolent warriors, which is weird in a way, but they are, okay. and and they they're the ones who are supposed to restore things that are out of balance. And how do they do that? Well, they're kind of mirrors of what balance ought to look like, right? Like Luke needs to come to be in balance with himself. Um, and he does at the end of return of the Jedi. This is a character who, who knows himself. He's found that balance and, uh, that, that sense of balance from him brings balance to, to Anakin, um, and, and allows Anakin to, return to his Jedi roots as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, the, the OT era was living in the shadow of, of the Sith and of the dark. Um, but we needed a character like Luke who learned the, the simple ways of what it meant to be a Jedi to, to kind of be the, be that spark, if you will, to start to cast that darkness aside. And that's what the Jedi are. Right. They are those beacons of hope. They're those beacons of light. Um, and that's what exactly. Luke ultimately becomes in that original story. Right. Right. And they. A, a Jedi. Who is serving the will of force correctly is a light in a dark place. Um, they are there as a beacon of hope, uh, as as someone who can help uh, restore things to their proper balance. Uh, and, and that's something that in the time of the OT, the galaxy is without and why Luke's story do, you know, be the return of the Jedi is so important, um, because it desperately needs this, this balance, this, this hope, this, uh, you know, this beacon of light in, in a dark and chaotic world. Um, so that is why, that is why he becomes a legend immediately after Return of the Jedi, you know? So it's, it's a huge key to the, the story of the OT and, and the importance of it is because this balance, this hope, this, this light is so desperately needed and people forgot Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, right. Like the, the, you know, I love how in both A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, at the end of these battle briefings, um, you know, General Dodonna says, you know, may the force be with you. Um, and then you have Akbars, they're, you know, flying into the Battle of Endor. May the force be with us. Right. You have these uh, these folks who remember the Jedi and remember that they were the ones that made that force visible, that made that force realized Um, they're they're carrying on that legacy, even though they're not Jedi, but they're obviously very much in need of Jedi. Again, go to that moment in Rogue One when Bale's about to leave and Mon Mothma pulls him aside. What about that friend that, you know, your jet that Jedi? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this tremendous hope that 
by bringing the Jedi back. That's how you win this war, right? Um, even within the story of Star Wars, I think that you have these everyday characters who understand that there's a battle of light versus dark. And in the time of the, the original era, the darkness, again, is, is what's reigning. So you need to bring that source of the light back. And those, that's who the Jedi are, again, at their core. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you so looking at the prequel era, then, right, like so when George goes back and, and writes this prequel story, he's telling us how the Jedi fell. And in order to tell a story of a fall, it's going to be negative, right? Like you're not going to you're not going to be able to tell a happy story here. Um, but I would say that the prequels ultimately shows how that the how the Jedi are corrupted by the Sith. You know, their light is corrupted by the darkness. So all of the horrible things that we come to learn about the Jedi, um, yes, some of it is self-inflicted, but also a lot of it is manipulated by the by the Sith, by Sidious. Um, and, and most notably in the fact that Palpatine creates a war on purpose to draw the Jedi in and warp who they truly are. Um, you know, I, so I'm currently rereading the Revenge of the Sith novel and I could not be happier. I haven't read it in a little while. And my God, is that book good? No, in my opinion, no Star Wars book even comes close to what Matthew Stover does with Revenge of the Sith. I mean, it's like poetry and exciting story. Um, I finished reading (laughs) the Rise of Skywalker novel. It was fine. Like I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, but nothing comes close to being as good as the Revenge of the Sith novel. If you've never read it, even if you're not a Revenge of the Sith movie fan, I'm telling you, this book is so damn good. Um, but that being said, there's, there's a point, um, in the book where Mace, again, there's, there's so much stuff in the book that's not in the movie. And if, if the movie was even half as good as the book, Revenge of the Sith would be my favorite movie. Um, but there's a point in the book where Mace Windu points out that the whole Clone Wars is a tool of the Sith to make the Jedi look bad. This is you're right. He kind of they come to this conclusion as the Clone War is coming to an end that the whole point of this war was to make us look bad and to destroy us, both to destroy us in the public's opinion, but also to destroy us as an order. Right. I mean, he's right. catching this too late. It's too late yes. at that point. Um, but that's exactly the point. The Jedi are drawn into this war by someone who does it to destroy them. That's the whole point of the Clone War. Yeah, it, it is designed specifically to uh, create the foundation for which the Jedi can be brought low um, and crumble not only from without but from within. Uh, because not only is this war designed to just simply, you know, the, it, the war is designed to work on multiple layers. The war is designed to, you know, very simply surface level thin the numbers of the Jedi because in a war there are going to be casualties. Uh, it also is supposed to create, uh, you know, a moral foundation that is crumbling because the the Jedi are – are supposed to be these moral beings, but they've been brought and you know into this war, and they are acting as generals and things like that. And they're you know whether they are directly involved or not with some you know atrocities that will inevitably happen in any war, they are still blamed for it because they are the public face of a war. Because the only other face that people see from the Republic side is the same one over and over and over again in the clones, yeah. and those are all hidden by a mask. 
So uh, and and then it also causes them to to be questioning among themselves. And we see a little bit of that um, in the Clone Wars series, but we got a lot of that um, in the initial um, comics that took that came out between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. There was there were several schisms that happened. Uh, and Jedi had to, you know, kind of come to terms with that within the order themselves. And there's a little bit of that that's, you know, shown and highlighted, uh, in the Clone Wars TV series, you know, Krell goes off the reservation, Beresafi, you know, has a bomb go off in the Jedi temple, you know, things like that. Uh, and, and so it's designed to crumble the Jedi from without and within, and it's expertly maneuvered around them because at this point, uh, in order to serve people effectively, they have essentially attached themselves to the office of the Supreme Chancellor um, and the Senate as envoys. And they're, you know, wound up in the government system that way. And the, the war has been designed to take complete advantage of that. And they cannot back out without appearing to not care about people. So right. yeah. they're backed into a corner with no way out and they know it. Yeah. You know, but especially again, especially by the end, Yoda knows that this is that there's no way out of this. Even if they wanted to get out of it. There's no way out. Right. So Yeah. The you know, the the sad truth of, of what's happened to the Jedi here is they've misplaced who they're supposed to be serving. They're supposed to serve the force and the will of the force, not a government, not a political system. And that's the problem is they've become too attached to the political system. Um, right. And, and that's, that's a huge problem. Uh, you know, like we've, we've hinted at, you know, there's so many Clone Wars episodes and I, I can't think to name any off the top of my head, but it's comes up a lot, but a lot of the Clone Wars episodes highlight the reality that the, the galaxy is, is losing faith or has already lost faith in the Jedi. Right. You know, yeah. we, we hear that complaint made to the Jedi a lot in these episodes where it's like, says the, you know, says the keep piece who makes war or something along those lines. Right. Like this reality that the Jedi are not what they're supposed to be. And if you think about it, of course, the Jedi don't know how to run a war. They've never done that before. That's not their role. Right. Um, right. Being a peacekeeper, being someone who, you know, maybe even in some ways is like an intergalactic sheriff. <laughs> um you know, that doesn't qualify you to to win a war. Right. Um, and uh, that's their problem is they've become too too wed to that system. So, you know, it, it's 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 what really it's what really corrupts them. Um, and you're right. You know, when when we meet the Jedi in episode one, they are in this very prestigious place. They live in an ivory tower. Um and, you know, they are extremely dogmatic, um, which I think is also a huge problem of the Force, or excuse me, of the Jedi, right? Qui-Gon is much more of a Jedi than anyone who sits on that council because his his sole purpose is to always be attuned to the will of the Force. Um, you definitely can't say the same about Mace Windu, who I hate, and I'm glad he's dead. Um, whoo, that's mean. That's dark, <laughs> but I mean it. He sucks. Um, he got what was coming to him. But uh, 
<laughs> right? Like you, the code forbids it. Stuff like that. That's not what the Jedi are about. They're not about codes and dogma. I mean, that stuff is important for sure, but it needs to always be changing with the living force, with the will of the force. And they don't do that by this era. Um, you know, this is one reason why I am so excited for the uh, the High Republic yeah. series, yeah. because we're going to be able to really kind of see what the Jedi have been doing before we start getting into this war situation. So, well, sorry, God, I didn't mean to interrupt. God, no, God willing. I mean, I hope that the creators aren't going the route of like, yeah, the Jedi, they're not needed. <laughs> I don't want those people telling Jedi stories. <laughs> I hope we're not going that way. If we are, I'm not going to want to read them. Um, you know, if it's just more of like, oh, the Jedi are always making mistakes. Like, I, I don't mean that they're going to be perfect. They shouldn't be. But it better not be like the same song and dance as the prequel era. Because that was for a purpose. Um, right? right. So, uh Again, something, um, you know, so so ultimately the reason they fall in the prequel area is, is because they've become too attached to a political system. They're manipulated into a war. They're manipulated into becoming something that they were never meant to be. You know, they right. go from being folks that are supposed to make the Force realized to fighting a war. That's not who the Jedi are. And no wonder that the galaxy has lost faith in them and, and doesn't trust them anymore. There's nothing there... <laughs> <laughs> to warrant that trust. They've lost it. Um, their dogmatic ways have made them not only distant from the force, but distant from the people. They're sitting up in those towers. They're not really paying attention to the needs of the galaxy, I don't think. Um, right. Right. And, uh, you want to see what a Jedi is supposed to be, you just look at Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, you know, and and I think and a lot of, and again, to kind of like attach that to, to this real world experience is you have a lot of religious institutions that are very detached from the people. They are very their 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 primary attachment is to how do we keep things going? How do we keep things in the status quo? And I, and I'm looking specifically at the Roman Catholic tradition. It's the one I know the most. It's the one I'm no longer a part of. Um, and there's a there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, but a lot of it has to do with that 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 um, strong headed. Oh, we've got to be faithful to our dogmas. Well, what's hap- what, what what do we do when our dogmas are wrong? <laughs> you know, when we're no longer being relevant expressions of the will of God. Well, when people pick up on you're not doing your main job, they leave and they should. Um, and that's why people have lost faith in the Jedi, right? Um, the Jedi are supposed to be those sparks of hope and people have lost that. And that's the perfect tool for the dark because it provides in the wake of peace falling apart because the Jedi are falling apart. Well, I guess at least order is something, even if it's a controlling one, right? You'll yield to that because it's something that gives some level of semblance. Um, but there's a, there's a great quote in the shocking, the revenge of the Sith novel where they're talking about what would happen if the Jedi order as it stands fell apart. And Yoda's response to, none other than Mace Windu, who's too stupid to understand things. Um, Yoda says, uh, this is a quote from the book. He says, but even disbanded, even without legal authority, still Jedi, we would be Jedi Knights served the force long before there was a galactic Republic and serve it. We will when this Republic is, but dust. I love that. Right? Like Yoda gets it at its core. Um, Yoda understands that, this legal authority, this um, political clout they've gained over the gen- uh, you know over the last few generations, doesn't really mean anything. If it goes away, they'll still be Jedi. Um, and 
I love that when when the Jedi Order does fall, I mean, that's what happens at the end of the prequels. The Jedi aren't gone. The Order ceases to exist, but the Jedi don't. And we see that realized in specifically Obi-Wan and Yoda. But then we even get stories like Kanan Jarrus, uh, the kid in Fallen Order. I can't remember his name. Cal Cestus or whatever. Um, do you know the the video game? Oh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, it's is Oh, God. Whatever the heck his name is. I don't know. I haven't played the game. My tongue. And I'm sorry, folks. I it, I haven't played Fallen Order in a while. So I've never Cal played Cal Kestis. What is it? Cal what? I believe it's Cal Kestis. Okay. Well, so anyway. But right, we have these these other stories where we see that the Jedi haven't gone away. What I've... Ahsoka in a lot of ways. Well, I guess she never considers herself a Jedi again. So I, I don't want to put her in that camp. But... Um, Although she- used to live in many ways like one exactly i will say that yeah so right you have you have these i would you know all of them whether it's ahsoka calcestis kanan um obi-wan yoda all of them are figuring out what does it now mean to be a jedi right that's why i love their stories like i love those stories in the in these in-between years because they have to figure out what it means to be a jedi again and Mm -hmm. um i think kanan who you and i both love dearly um, Kanan kind of reminds us that, right? Like once Kanan finds his purpose again, once he, 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 you know, he, he meets Hera and then he meets Ezra, you know, and he, he finds that he's not ashamed of his Jedi past anymore. And he embraces that part of himself. His primary goal is just to help people. Right. And he, he ultimately initially just wants to do it on a small scale way, right. And these little, these little daring raids and whatnot. He's very obviously hesitant at first to get involved with a war again. He knows the the problems of that. Um, but what's so neat about Kanan is again, he's, he's rediscovering the roots of, of what it means to be a Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And right. Cause the galaxy needs them. So I love that, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan, especially like they go into exile, not in hopeless defeat, but rather in the hope that the Jedi order will be reborn again. Um, and they need to keep it around in their own spirits to make that happen. Right. Right. And, and the, the duty of a Jedi, the purpose of a Jedi is, is there, whether they are on their own as an individual or whether they are part of the full fledged order. And, uh, the the call of a Jedi is so strong that these characters keep feeling the pull of that call and the the duty and the um, the job that they're supposed to be doing the purpose that they're supposed to have uh, even when by all accounts they should be in hiding you know it's why you keep seeing the Jedi pop up periodically throughout the the dark times you know as they you know end up doing different things. I mean, Jocasta knew uh, in the Darth Vader comics that take place right after Revenge of the Sith, you know, she ends up going back to Coruscant to the Jedi Temple in order to safeguard uh, the list of the Force-sensitive younglings. Uh, you know, she cannot allow her herself to just fade into the background. She has to do something. Um, you know, Kanan reaches that point of, you know, after years of trying to hide and and force that responsibility out of his mind, finally has to just say, "All right, it's time. I got to I got to step up." 
and be a Jedi, you know, and, and these characters all reach that point where it's like, no, I can't, I can't deny this. I am a Jedi, whether the Jedi order is there or not. I can't deny this is who I am. This is what I, my purpose is. Uh, and, and that's just something that, that we have to, we understand that this, this Jedi thing is, yes, it is an order, but it is also an individual. So, and having those individuals be able to continue on even without a set order, uh, just shows that the force is still working, you know, you know, whether, whether there's an organization or not. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, right. I, I love, so again, just to, in a general way, look at the difference between the, the original era and the prequel era and how the Jedi are kind of being portrayed. Um, right. The, the Jedi of the original era are much more focused on the mystical side of the force, right. Of really just being attached at their core to the force and the will of the force. Um, and, and going that route. Whereas the prequel, the Jedi are an institution and they're more concerned with institutional organization and prestige. Mm -hmm. And we learn that's why it falls apart. And again, like when George Lucas wrote those original stories, right. As a child of the sixties and you see a lot of upheaval in religious organizations, I think George even understood that, the tenets and the fruits in the core of, of religious identity was extremely important. Um, but he was watching it being revolutionized, <laughs> like literally, I mean, it was being revolutionized. Um, and I think he recognized that many of its flaws came from being too institutional. So he takes that, that I think that lived reality of his own younger days and writes that story into the prequel era, right? That the, the reason that, um, religions ever become bad or, 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 uh, diluted is because they've become too concerned with their authority, too consumed, too concerned with their, um, organizational well-being. And that's the story of the prequels. The Jedi fall apart because their concerns are all in the wrong place. Um, and, and now I love that, you know, as we kind of round this out in the sequel era, we're living in a much different world today than we were even in the early 2000s, let alone the 70s and 80s, <laughs> um, right? We live in a culture that once again, much like George Lucas's younger day, is very opposed to religiosity and religious identities. Um, and yet there's something missing, right? Um, and, and I love how one of the very first things said in The Force Awakens is – from Lore Santeca, without the Jedi, there can be no balance, <laughs> right? It's, it's once again, I mean, again, and, and this is my just general overall critique of the sequel trilogy is we're just getting a rehash in a lot of ways of the original story, but it's a similar place that we were with the, the original era. So the sequel trilogy is, is showing a galaxy that's out of balance in the absence of the Jedi, Right. I, I, there's a slight difference. I would say the, the original era is it, it's the galaxy actually misses the Jedi. Right. They're conscious enough, which makes sense because they're only 20 years removed from a Jedi order um, that spanned, you know, the whole galaxy. So 
we go from a, a galaxy that's kind of mourning the loss to now in the sequel area, sequel era, I don't, I think they're kind of whatever about it, but we're seeing that without the Jedi, things just can't stay peaceful. There's, there's no one there to be a guardian of peace and justice. So right. what happens is, is peace and justice crumbles. Well, you get the rise of tyranny again in the first order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, and that, that comes across very quickly because of the way that the the first order basically just you know mows over and and bowls over any sort of resistance you know very quickly and very efficiently uh and there's there was no real uh you know it, there was nothing to to counteract it on any meaningful level. And, you know, if you have the Jedi, you know, assuming that they're, you know, if you have the Jedi in a, in in any sort of fashion, I assume they would be able to sense the, the dark, you know, the, the dark side of the force at work within the first order and be able to do their own investigating and, and find out things and, you know, slow things down, make the Republic more aware of things. And, you know, we could have had an entirely different story to the sequel trilogy if there had been Jedi involved uh, prior to the rise of the First Order. So it's it's definitely something there that while, while in the original trilogy it's something that the, the galaxy is missing and they're not – sure they're still quite not sure what it is this is the exact outworking of what happens when you don't have that buffer uh in the sequel trilogy when when the the rise and quick rise of that kind of tyranny uh when you don't have that sort of spiritual and you know guardians of peace and justice buffer out there the tyranny and the dark side of the force is just left to run unchecked Right. Yeah. And look at also the one of the what the main mission of Kylo Ren and Snoke, by extension, and the Force Awakens is to hunt down Luke and eradicate the last Jedi. Right. They don't yeah. want the Jedi coming back once again. That And obviously now with episode nine, we realize that Kylo has just been a tool of Palpatine all along without knowing it. <laughs> um, and but once again, it's the shadow of the Sith. They're trying to eradicate the light of the Jedi. Right. They want to snuff out that that beacon of hope. Um, and when we finally get to meet our last Jedi initially, we have a very broken man in Luke Skywalker. Right. Um, yeah. And he's someone who believes that the Jedi need to end because um, he sees them as just, you know, kind of these repeat offenders of this 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 cycle of Jedi versus Sith. But Luke. Right. Like the kind of the point of Luke's story in episode eight Whenever people are like, oh, that's not Luke Skywalker. Well, that's not the god Luke Skywalker that you came to understand through Legends. This is a human being, though, which is what Luke Skywalker always was, um, who has come to the belief that the Jedi need to end as a result of his own guilt. And that guilt is a consequence of his bad choices. Um, Right? Luke makes a bad choice and um, inadvertently creates Kylo Ren. Um. And his his guilt for that is so strong that he he you know he believes himself to be a failure, which is valid. Uh, I don't think he is, but I mean, he, he, I understand why he would believe that. 
And that's a direct result of him trying to reignite the light of the Jedi, right? Like he's there trying to start a new Jedi order. And uh, Grant, he never uses the word order, which I appreciate, right? He was training a new generation of Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that Luke never thought of starting an order, right? You know, again, the legends canon, we basically just see Luke Skywalker recreate what came before with some subtle differences. Um, that's never how you grow things. You don't just repeat, (laughs) you don't especially repeat something that failed. (laughs) Um, right. That, that's not how, that's not how you make progress. Um, so I feel like the Luke, again, I, I, I want more of these stories and I'm sure we'll get them over time. But it seems like the Luke of uh, post Return of the Jedi was somebody who was just trying to understand who the Jedi were, what the Force was at its core, and then when he finally committed to starting a new generation of Jedi, I'd like to think that he had the the right intentions. He just made a big personal mistake with his own nephew, um, right? And yeah. and 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 he abandons the galaxy. Now, again, this is something I wanted to try to find a way to work this in tonight. So. It might be a little off base and I apologize. But again, rereading the Revenge of the Sith novels just opening my mind to so much good stuff because it's amazing. <laughs> um, but in the Revenge of the Sith novel, we're told that Anakin spends an entire night meditating at the temple because, you know, the Jedi temple is this nexus of the force. It captures the energy, the very temple itself. And it's one of the most force potent pl- sites in the entire galaxy. Well, after the temple is destroyed, and they obviously don't rebuild it. Well, I guess it's not destroyed, right? It's it's usurped by Palpatine. He then uses it as his own personal headquarters. Um, but in the era of the sequels, there is no Jedi temple for Luke to run to. So I still like to believe that, um, again, this is my own headcanon at this point working in. This is in no way supported by anything canonically quite yet. But I still like to think that Luke went to Octo after his failure with with Ben in the hopes of finding some sort of answer from the force, right? He's going to a place that's probably very strong with the force. Who, where better to go than the first Jedi temple? And I feel like Luke is instructed by the force, maybe in the force ghosts of Obi-Wan and Yoda that no, Luke, you've got to go back. Yes, you made a mistake, but go make it right. You can, you know, you can still fix this, but Kind of like Luke in Return of the Jedi, he thinks he knows better than his mentors. And he's like, nope, you guys don't get it. Stop pestering me. Fine. I'm going to cut myself off from the Force because the Force will figure out what to do. I can't. Um, The Jedi can't. It's not for them to Mm -hmm. answer. But by the end of that movie, we see Luke's arc come full circle, right? He does believe in the Jedi again. I won't be the last Jedi. Um, Right. And now he's passed on that legacy to this this new character in Rey. And... You know, um, say what you will about the end of Rise of Skywalker. And again, like I I get people not liking this point, but when Rey connects with the Jedi who've gone before, I think it's still one of the most beautiful moments in the sequel trilogy, if not all of Star Wars. Um, In that moment when she makes that that statement of I am all the Jedi, um, which is, yes, it's very big and silly, but that's Star Wars. Star Wars is big and silly. but when Ray makes that statement that I am all the Jedi, um, it's a nice reminder that the Jedi are what's needed to to ignite hope in the galaxy. Their, their light is needed once again in the galaxy. And Ray's going to carry that on. Um, and Ray becomes the keeper of the legacy of the Jedi, right? And that's symbolized in her yellow lightsaber at the end of that movie. The fact that she has this yellow blade is, is she's now the keeper of the legacy of the Jedi. Um, and she gets to 
carry the Jedi into this, this new generation, this new way of being. So the galaxy did need the Jedi. And yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, and we, we don't know this for sure yet, but it does seem that Luke's Jedi Academy, the, the Jedi, the generation of Jedi that Luke was training up, was not connected directly with the, uh, the government of mm-hmm. the New Republic. You know, I'm sure they, they worked with them and would have, you know, you know, served things uh, for them if they requested, but they were not directly connected. They were somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. You know, in Bloodlines, Leia doesn't even know where they're where they're at. Um, you know, when when Luke and Ben are out, you know, training and stuff. Yeah, she doesn't know where they're at. Um, so it's it's one of those things where Luke is not simply recreating mm-hmm. uh, old ways. He is he is still you know advancing and and moving things along in a way that the will of the force is directing him he's not simply you know going back to the old model um and and ray kind of just takes that when she comes on the scene she kind of takes that and runs with it um in, in a way that that luke wasn't able to fully achieve because of the consequences of his own personal mistakes. So, um, and, and I think that's something that we have to, you know, be aware of, you know, whether we're looking at the Jedi order, um, or, you know, our own religious institutions is that these are still, you know, the pe- there's still people involved and people are make mistakes. So you can't just say, ah, Jedi order is defined by their mistakes. No, no, the, what they do is influenced by their mistakes. There's no doubt about that, but it's still, you know, run and operated by imperfect beings. Uh, Yoda is not perfect. And he admits that and, and discovers that, you know, during the prequels and becomes much more connected and becomes a student again after the prequels in order to get to where he's at in empire, you know, and, and Luke has to realize that, you know, when, when he has that conversation with Yoda in the last Jedi, you know, so it's, you're never done learning and you're never done improving. And the Jedi is a, the Jedi path is a, is a way to live. It, it, it is not a, an occupation. It is a worldview and a, uh, a journey, you know, towards continual betterment of yourself and of people around you in connection to the will of the force, you know, and that is the will of the force is what, what you base all of that off of. So, um, it's, and I think, you know, we don't have any of these stories yet, but I think Ray is really going to kind of come to that kind of real realization too. Um, and and really draw on the force itself, the living force, the will, the force, the cosmic force, all of that, all the aspects, and try and move forward in that. And I'd be very curious to see, you know, what happens after Rise of Skywalker with the Jedi and Rey, because uh, it's not over. Right. Not over. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. One thing I remember from the Last Jedi novel is that point when um, Luke finally retouches the Force, 
Um, and he connects with Leia, right? Um, it, it's kind of a, a short scene in the movie, but in the book, Luke in- instantly becomes aware once again of the cosmic force. And he realizes that the cosmic force is has a will. And he's obviously just been ignoring it. And it makes it abundantly clear, like, hello, Ray is here for a reason. Teach her, <laughs> right? Um, teach this Teach this person who is um, we brought to you through the will of the force, right? Um, and yeah, like Luke realizes he was wrong by thinking he needed to renounce the Jedi. What he needed was to forgive himself. And, uh, you know, like you said, Jason, like the, the Jedi in and of themselves are not the problem. It's sometimes the choices of the people who make that up. And, and that was what happened with Luke. Uh, he made a really bad choice. So he needs to forgive himself and, and, and rectify that. And that's what he does at the end of the movie, right? Going there and, and igniting that spark in the galaxy again. He does that because he's a Jedi master. Luke Skywalker, exactly. Jedi master, right? Um, that's the yes. story the kids are telling at the end of that movie. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's brought hope back to the galaxy because he chose to be a Jedi master again. Um, so the Jedi are needed. Their legends are important. Their story matters because they need to be in the galaxy to help the galaxy understand the will of the force. That's their whole purpose. Um, and I think Le- uh, not Leia, excuse me, Ray's quest in the sequel trilogy, right? And, and really typified in Last Jedi when she says, I need to understand my place in all of this. Um, when we get to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, Jesus, I'm really messing things up tonight. <laughs> when we get to the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, you know, I mean, a, a lot of people complain like, oh, why is Ray all of a sudden indecisive again? Well, Ray's trying to understand what kind of Jedi she's supposed to be. I think the end of Last Jedi, she realizes I'm now the last Jedi, right? Um, that's a made abundantly clear. I, 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 I really don't understand people saying like, oh, well, now she's a, she was a great Jedi at the end of her. Episode eight. No, she's not. That's not a thing. <laughs> not in canon anyway. Um, you know, at the end of that movie, it it becomes abundantly clear that Rey is the future of the Jedi. And she has all the Jedi sacred texts, right? Um, so mm-hmm. she needs to figure out what it means to be a Jedi moving forward. She's got the wisdom of the past, but she needs more than that. Um, and I think Her- that's why she's so insecure at the beginning of episode nine is because she's not exactly sure how she's supposed to be doing this. She understands her place in the story. Now I'm the last Jedi. I'm the future of this wonderful legacy. The galaxy needs me to be a good Jedi, but Oh crap. The last, the last last Jedi really screwed up. I don't want to screw up. And now she's having all these tortured visions of falling to the dark side, right? Like no wonder she's so stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. Her, her, her journey, her story is a little bit of an inverse of Luke in the sense that Luke automatically thought he knew what his role in the story was to be this uh, this Jedi warrior to to go out and and fight the dark side and, uh, you know, and, and be that hero. And he learns along the way. No, there's a lot more to this than that. Um, and he he gets. That brought in here. Uh, Ray, on the other hand, comes into this being kind of aware of 
the role of the Jedi past, how Luke was as a Jedi, you know, and 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 how he operated as a Jedi, and trying to figure out, and and then she's she's basically given the sacred Jedi texts, which are supposed to serve as a blueprint for the Jedi Order, uh, but she then has to figure out well what does that mean for her and how does how does her individual journey as a jedi work in in that where luke starts as the individual and has to figure out how he interacts with the whole ray kind of starts with the idea of the whole and has to see how that works with her as an individual and that's kind of the the sort of inverse of their journeys there and and Ray really comes to find that balance of, you know, all the Jedi and Ray individually in the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So. Yeah. Um, right. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, and, and, and this is a great discussion probably for another day. And, and I would really love some other people's opinions on this. Cause I think, there are people a lot smarter than the sequel trilogy than myself who could probably speak to this better. Um, but I really still believe that the sequel trilogy is a very meta story <laughs> in the way that the original six were not. Um, and I, I don't, in a way that is a little bit of a backhanded comp compliment and I, and I don't mean it to be that, but episodes one through six were told by one visionary mind. Um, and he had an intentional story with both trilogies. I'm still kind of of the opinion that the sequel trilogy was was a lot of a meta story where it was really just like, hey, Star Wars is really fun and important. Remember, <laughs> kind of was the the answer. And and again, like I'm not trying to ruffle feathers here, but I think Ryan Johnson compared to J.J. Abrams was the one who at least was starting to steer the ship in a new direction. But it kind of got kiboshed <laughs> um, for whatever reason. Um, and that's not to say the sequel trilogy turned out bad. But in a lot of ways, I do see it as this meta story of uh, trying to tell a new generation this this really fun myth once again. And the central one of the central tenets of this myth is the importance of the Jedi. And that's what Rey comes to discover is how important the Jedi were, right? She's mesmerized by them in Force Awakens. And Last Jedi has accepted the fact that she's supposed to be one and she needs to become one. And then in Rise of Skywalker, um, understands how to be one and what that looks like for her. Um, and 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 so to kind of just bring this all to a close, I would say that these guardians of peace and justice are going to be forever needed in that galaxy far, far away. Ray understood that. Luke understood that. Yoda understood that. Qui Gon understood that. Right? These these great Jedi mystics all got it. That at the end of the day they are needed because of their their they are an open channel of the force and whenever they're doing that they're being a good jedi <laughs> um and you know i will say one thing I, I i wish had been more directly in rise of skywalker maybe more early on is ray ray doesn't really know what she's supposed to do till the very end and she is she is kind of told by luke which I wish she'd kind of come to that conclusion on her own, but, um, you know, she does come to the, to the realization that she is the future of the Jedi. Um, and they're going to live on through her. 
And I think in that meta story, it's a reminder to all of us today that spirituality and people who interpret spiritual realities are really important in our world. Um, and, uh, and we need them. Yeah, I agree. So, so there you have it. It's a great that. Yeah. So there are kind of just some of our overall big picture musings at the, the value of the Jedi and, and why they are so needed, right? The, the 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 sad truth of of the Jedi that the Mon, 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 Montez sisters talked to Ahsoka about Martez. what's that Martez Martez yes so go. the Martez sisters see the Jedi at their worst um, and 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 are part of that population that think the Jedi just aren't necessary but I think when we pull back and look at the the history of the Jedi. The legacy of the Jedi is not failure, but of peace and justice. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So anyway, um, as always, we welcome any of your musings about the Jedi and their importance in the galaxy. Um, But also, like we said, next week is going to be an episode run by all of you with your your questions and, and our honest answers. So, you know, once again, um, in, in lieu of doing a poll or a matchup, uh, we invite you to write in any questions you may have for us, whether it be about us personally, whether it be about our understanding of Star Wars and, and the Star Wars fan experience, whatever you want to ask, just ask it. If it's something we don't want to answer, we just won't, we won't, we won't ask it on air and therefore not answer it. So, um, but any and all questions are certainly welcomed. Yes, Indeed. Um, and in order to do that, uh, Carl, where, where are those locations people can weigh in, uh, for next week's episode? Um, I, yep. Probably one of the easiest things to do, especially if you have more than one question is just send us an email, which is wampuslairpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can send us something over on Facebook, uh, at wampuslair podcast. And of course we're on Twitter at wampuslair. All right. Well, is there anything else you have to say on the Jedi, sir, before we close down this episode? Uh, I've said enough for tonight. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Um, long live the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This has been episode number 379, Guardians of Peace and Justice. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.